Okay. We're here again. Thank you. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it because that's just the type of person I am. So my topic is seizing sisterhood. Seizing sisterhood. Um, so the theme is still hold fast. And we talked a little bit about what it means to hold fast. Hopefully you guys still remember what hold and fast mean, what it means when you put it together. It was just last night. <laughs> so then, a lot's happened though. A lot has happened since last night. Yeah, I feel sick suddenly, actually. Um, and so then we talked a little bit about um, help being on the way and how God uses people, right? People that are unlikely to help us. And then we talked about holding fast to the faith, right? The overarching faith that we have. There's many different people that have strange faiths, but we have the faith, the truth, because we know that comes from the Son, that being Jesus, the Christ. And so tonight, what I want to talk a little bit about is what it means to be a sister. And so I've been asking myself this question for years because I don't have a sister. It's probably a good thing, not going to lie. Okay? Because... I just don't know what that would even look like. You know, I, my brother's older, and he's tall, and he likes Batman, so I like Batman. He liked Ninja Turtles, so I like Ninja Turtles. I didn't have to share a bathroom with a girl, never had to share clothes, thank you, Jesus. I mean, so it wasn't until I got to college that I realized I really had no idea how to interact with girls my own age, because most of my life, my mom was my sister friend. So it was like, she wasn't in my stuff, she wasn't in my business, it's not like she read my diary. So I didn't really care. Until I got to college and I realized I have to share a bathroom with these girls and they're dirty and they're nasty. And I went to a secular school, okay, full transparency. Um, loved it, definitely was a good experience for me. Um, held fast to the faith while I was there. And I think for kids who choose that, it's amazing if you really um, are open to sharing your faith with people who don't necessarily have the same faith as you. But in the process, I hated having a roommate. And I hated the girls on my floor because they were just into things I wasn't into and I couldn't really figure out how to align myself with women. And so after college, I decided to buy an archeological Bible and I said, I'm going to read every story in the Bible that has to do with women. Because I need to know, if God created me to be a woman, what does that mean? Because it has to be a little bit more than being married and having kids, because like, not everybody does that, right? Clearly. So, and then I started thinking, I know I grew, grew up in a church, but I didn't really feel like people taught me how to be a Christian woman, per se. There wasn't a class where people said, hey, come here and we'll give you the ins and outs. So I decided to be a little more investigative. And I learned a lot in the process. And so my passion for teaching women, particularly teenage girls and young women, how to actually implement godly ideals into their life is something that I probably will do for the rest of my life. Because many times we get mad when people don't do something, but I believe that we are sharing in the responsibility if we have not taught them how to do it, right? So like if your kid comes home and they've been out all day playing basketball and they just like lay on your couch, you'd probably be mad, right? Or like when my dad, no shade to my dad, but like when he goes out and he's on the lawnmower, hypothetically, and um, he's like riding the tractor and then he's doing like dad stuff which involves dirty things and then he comes in and like hypothetically he's in the kitchen and we're like did you wash it? and then we like make eye contact because we're giving grace because we hope he says oh let me put the water but he doesn't and he just starts touching stuff. And like, here we are, like, where's the wet wipe? We gotta go. <laughs> right? So my mom shouldn't be upset if she told him ahead of time not to do it. Well, if, he, if she didn't tell him, she can't be upset. But she has already told him. And somehow after, hypothetically, 30-something years, he still does it. So it's a guy thing. Because I think some of your guys do it. I just... 
hypothetically speaking. I think people need to be taught what to do and what not to do. And so I think that there are so many reasons why sisterhood is important. I think that these types of events are hugely important because we have to keep teaching the proper way. And the world is saying a lot about womanhood right now. It seems that many people are transitioning into it. Some people are transitioning out of it. But we know that there's a standard by which we all live our lives, and that's the word of God. So let's head to the book of Ruth. And my goal is to cover all of Ruth in like 35 minutes. <laughs> I'm a woman of high ambition, so let's go. Um, the reason I selected this book is because there's an older woman and a younger woman. And we know that in the Bible, it explicitly says that older women should do what? Teaching the younger women. Teach the who? Okay, so I'm not going to get into the whole age bracket thing, right? Because that got me in trouble earlier. So if you are older, you should be thinking about someone younger to teach. And I want you to think about that for the whole lesson. So I'm older than somebody. There was a little girl. She was up there with me. Where are you? Hi, she's so cute. And I literally opened my Bible and she just came over and she was talking to me and I thought, I'm older, she's younger, right? But then in a different sphere, I'm the younger person and someone else would be the older person, right? Like Sister Target, who the first time I spoke um, in Rhode Island encouraged me, I was the younger person in that scenario, right? But then in the reverse a couple moments ago, I was the older person. So I believe we always find ourselves as the teacher, but also as the student. And so as we go through this lesson, I want you to think about a young woman you can begin to help, okay? A young woman you can begin to help. Because here's the reality. We're holding fast to God, but sometimes God wants us to hold fast to people. And we don't really like that because people are messy, right? We look cute. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> we're messy, right? Sometimes people are crying and then you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want her crying every time I see her because it's annoying and exhausting and I'm tired. And then maybe sometimes you're the crier, right? Like you, somebody said yesterday, like, I don't want to keep crying, but I'm crying. It just depends. But people are just a little messy. But Jesus came for the messy people, and I know that because he came for you, and you're a little messy. <laughs> and I say that in love, but you're messy, okay? And I'm messy too, and that's the beauty of it. So we have to think of ourselves as people who need help, all of us, okay? From here to here, mm -hmm. here to here, all over here. We need help. And so Ruth and Naomi, it's a great example of an older woman and a younger woman, both who needed each other. It's like a parasite and a whale, like they both gotta eat. <laughs> that's why I like the story, because I think that's most of us, right? There's sometimes when you're in need and then you give some help to someone else who's in need and you find yourself very blessed. So let's go to Ruth chapter one, verse one. It says, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of that man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of the two sons were Mahlan and Chilion, and Ephrathitis of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. So brief history lesson, God had told the people of Israel not to marry the people of Moab. And I want you to remember that because something real interesting happens right down here at verse 4. Now they, being the sons, took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. You should highlight that. You should underline that. Because that's enough. if I come back again, I'll give you what that really means. But that's not the lesson today. But it's interesting that God has used two women who are not of the chosen people. Remember when God redeemed when he took the people of Israel out of captivity, right? And he said, I'm going to make a people. Because really, he's like, you're nobodies, right? Nobody likes you. You guys act crazy. You don't even have laws. 
we got to get you together, right? So there was the burning bush, there were the tablets, and then there was Baal, and then there was all that. And so God has been forming a people out of these people just so we can get to Jesus, which is amazing to me. Because I think in our lives, most of us were nobodies, right? And God has taken us out of captivity. And he's like, you know, I want to make a person out of you, like a real person. And so he does the thing that God always does, which is cleanse us. And he, he makes us whole. And then he brings us, right, to make us a little more presentable. But every now and then, he tells us not to do something. And we do it. And this story is a perfect example of how a blessing can come out of wrongdoing, but I'm not saying to do wrong to get the blessing. So don't, don't say that I said that because I didn't say that. Okay. He can do it, but he won't always do it, right? Clear distinction. That was for free. We're going to move on. Then both Mahlan and Chilean also died. So the husband dies, the kids died. So the women survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law and took her daughters-in-law that she might return to the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with them, and they went on their way to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go. Return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and she lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. And so I love this this little exchange because Naomi is essentially, she's like, y'all got to go. You did well. You dealt well with me. Thank you, though. Right? But you got to go. And it's interesting because how many of us, when we grieve, we push people away? I do that. Because it's just sometimes it's too much. And you're like, can you just back up a little bit? Right? But you don't want to say that because you're a church family and then you feel a little guilty. But really, if you had your way, you'd be like, don't come over here. So Naomi is trying to send these girls away. It's like if I was talking right now and you guys were like, can you just go back to Bridgeport? Because like, we love you, but we're done. And so we miss the humanness of the Bible. We really do. And I know that we read it so fast. This is a woman whose heart is broken. Can you imagine these girls remind her of her sons? Every time she looks at them, she's probably thinking of a meal that she cooked. She's thinking of their favorite clothes to wear. She's thinking of the time when she prepared a huge feast and the guys came over with their girls. Because that's the stuff that like moms live for. They like when like the kid brings somebody home, right? And then the dad kind of hates it. But the mom is like, oh, we're going to make something really good. And so Naomi probably had tons of moments where like her mom levels were on a trillion. And yet, these girls are like getting pushed aside simply because she can't bear the intimacy. And I don't want us to miss that because as women, I alluded to this last night, we struggle with intimacy. We don't always want friends. We don't always want family. Anybody? I love mine very much. (laughs) But sometimes I'm like, okay, guys, let's all take a break. Right? Because it gets to be a lot. And so in her grief, she's trying to figure out where these girls can go. She wants to send them back. But where does she want to go? She wants to go back to the land of Judah because she knew that God had dealt kindly with his people there. And so the other thing that I want us to be thinking about as we consider this topic of holding fast is this. If you're holding fast to anything that's outside of the presence of God, you'll miss the blessing of God. Okay, so just like last night, Anna was in the temple because she knew that in the temple of God, God was existing. His presence was there. Naomi, she's like, well, okay, my kids have died. I don't have a husband. There's nowhere for me to have food and sustenance. I need to go back because I heard that God was good to people back home. And this is a lesson for us as women for many reasons, but mainly because of this. When you're going through difficulty and you don't head back to the presence of God, you will miss all of the good things that God has for you. 
Because the God that I serve, the God that you serve, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, he's the God of redemption. And I don't think Naomi knew that then. She didn't know that God would be rewriting her story. She just wanted some food. And I think sometimes it's our bare necessities that really get us back to where we needed to be all along. Because remember, the Moabites were people God didn't want the Israelites to marry anyways. So my question was like, why were they there? Well, there was a drought, right? Which means there's no food. But how many of us find ourselves in places we don't need to be simply because, well, it just kind of happened that way? So I do think that God made it easier for her to come back to where she needed to be all along. So she goes back to, to um, Bethlehem, and the girls decide, we're going with you. Now, I already told you Naomi was pushing them away. So let's get back to Scripture to see how their exchange went. In verse 11, it says, But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back. Basically, she's like, get out of here. My daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. And I should say I have hope. If I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they're grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Can you picture three women clinging to each other, weeping? That's a sad sight, right? That's a huge sad sight. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So I want you to underline and mark that. Ruth clung to her. So here's our first principle. What made Ruth cling to Naomi? Every time I read this story, I'm asking myself that question. If you're an older woman and something happens to you and something happens to a younger woman, do you think you're the type of woman that a younger woman would cling to? Think about that question. Don't be so quick to say yes. Would you be the type of person that another person would want to cling to? Now, I've cried before, probably even wept before. And sometimes, even at 31 years old, I still want my mom to, like, rub my back. Right? Because there's something in that that makes you feel like, okay, I can get through this. And sometimes when she's rubbing my back when I'm absolutely devastated about things that really don't make that much sense, I'm like, this is what it feels like to have God super close, right? Imagine him just like, I got this. So I imagine Naomi probably still frustrated at these girls, but there's something about her that Ruth wants desperately, and it's her presence. And so I wonder in our churches if there are young women who would cling to us and hold fast to us simply because we're women of God and women of example. See, that's the core of this lesson. Are you a woman of example to someone else to the point where even in their sadness, they'd rather be with you than without you? I don't know the answer to that. I think is one, if we had more discussion questions, that would have been the one that I wrote for this lesson. Because sometimes we see each other, and sadly as women, there's some things that kind of go through our mind. And sometimes we think, well, you know so-and-so, she's so rude to me, she never says hi on Sunday morning. Anybody? Right? Do you go to church with somebody like that? Are you somebody like that? My mom always says, I try to say hi to everybody, and I get why she does. Because Lord knows if that one Sunday, Sister Stanley doesn't say hi, somebody may say, I'm never coming back because we're that sensitive, right? Or maybe there's a woman in your congregation or maybe you are the woman in your congregation that's always backbiting, something negative to say. Those aren't really the people we cling to, let's be honest. Those are the people we don't like to be around. So if people don't like to be around you, you have to ask yourself, how can I be a little more like Naomi and a little less like me? Because young women don't really like to cling to older women that are rude to them. 
There's not a lot of young women my age. Let's see, if anybody in their 30s? Okay, so I'm gonna just say this, right? Full disclosure. One of the reasons why young people struggle with coming to church is because they feel like older people are always judging them. Yep. Now I'm gonna say the thing that the young people won't say because that's just the type of person I am. Got a little bit of my dad in me with that. He just says things. He worries about collateral damage after. <laughs> Nobody will tell you that, though. There was this one instance where a young girl cried so bad because an older woman in the church said to her her clothes were inappropriate. Now, were they? Yes, they were. But I think what happened in the exchange was the lack of sensitivity towards the young girl who really had fallen away and was just coming back. And sometimes in our haste to correct someone, we miss that love muscle that has to get flexed out. And so I had to go and massage the relationship a little bit, because I've been there before. My dad's a minister, was an elder, was a deacon. I've heard a lot of things. People have said a lot of things about me. So I have a little bit of a tough skin now. So it's like, if you really didn't like my boots, that'd be fine. <laughs> God is still good, right? That's like, right. it's all good. But some people aren't built that way. And so as we consider the relationships that we have with younger people, one thing we want to think about is how can we love people into better behavior? Because, see, Jesus hung around people who didn't always get it right. How do we know? Because Jesus looked at Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine? I would have been like, Jesus, it's me, Erica. Ain't no Satan over here. And he would have said, you're acting like Satan. But that didn't deter Peter, right? Sometimes we say things without really thinking about the relationship that God is building. And so young people feel like older people don't want them there. And that's the sad part in the tragedy. So Naomi is a woman who's trying to get rid of a younger woman. And then that younger woman is like, no, I actually want to stay. But I think that Ruth wanted to stay simply because in the years that she had known Naomi, Naomi was a woman devoted to God. Naomi was a woman devoted to family. And Naomi was a woman who really had been devoted to Ruth. How do we know that? I think it's clear. Let's keep reading. Verse 15 says, and she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death Hearts, you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. I love that. I love that. So even in Ruth's explanation, we see that she saw and witnessed the core values that motivated all of Naomi's life, the core values that motivated Naomi in marriage, the core values that motivated Naomi to be the type of mother-in-law she was. Because Ruth says, your God will be my God. So this girl who was truly a foreigner, she had to have seen God through these people. Your people will be my people. Where you go, I will go. Now, I don't know what kind of relationship any of you have with your mother-in-law. I hear those kinds of things can be a little shaky. Don't know from personal experience. Praying about it in advance. <laughs> Because I don't know, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. But there's some people I hear who don't like their mother-in-law, who feel like, oh man, I hate going over there, or she doesn't want my husband to do this, and she wants my Thanksgiving to look like that, and blah, 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 blah. And then you turn around and you're like, wow, that poor guy in the middle of two women has to be going crazy, right? I feel like if my brother was married, he probably would go a little because my mom like you know that leave and cleave thing I don't know how well us families would do it but Ruth and Naomi seemed to be two women who didn't have that issue they had a love issue they had a love relationship with one another and it shows because at the end of the day Naomi doesn't 
allow Ruth to actually leave. She's just, she stops talking. The determination that Ruth has to me is so apparent and so evident. And Naomi is probably thinking, no matter what I say to this girl, she's going to stay. So the two of them journey on. And I think that that's when their relationship truly starts. It's when their relationship no longer is really built on the guys that they were linked by. Now they're just two sisters trying to figure out how essentially to eat. Because two widows without a husband have zero resources. In that culture, without a man providing for you, you truly have nothing. But it's in our Bible in Ecclesiastes that says that two are better than one. And what I love about being a woman is this. We are resourceful. We are smart. And sometimes my dad says there's something in the bone marrow that Adam gave to us. I think he's right. Because sometimes like, it takes them a while to get certain things. But you put two women in a room, and they will, like, we could have got to the, the moon <laughs> pretty fast if they let us just do it. You know? And I think there's a reason why God limits what we can do sometimes, because like, we would just be like, oh, Mars, I'm over there. With the DSW, it's fine. Like, what's the big deal? I'd be the store manager. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Not gonna lie. Okay, let's go to chapter two. So the two of these resourceful women have to eat. So they go back to this land, and here's the game plan. Verse two says, so Ruth the Moabite is said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I might find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. Now, hold on, right? Because you guys know I love words. Remember when Naomi didn't want her there? And now what is she calling her? You see how time changes things? And I bet you with like each step as they were walking because they didn't have Uber, and they didn't have taxis. They were like walking back to Bethlehem. And I don't know, like, I would have wanted to do that because I would have been tired, but they're walking and they're walking. And I'm sure that like the hatred and the anger dissipated every step. Because when you don't have anybody, that person next to you becomes your somebody, right? And sometimes God has to do that to us because there are people who cling to us and we really don't like those people, but we don't want to say that. There may be somebody in your life right now who's like, girl, you're my best friend. And you're like, <laughs> I got somebody like that, not gonna lie. And I'm like, can you like call somebody else? <laughs> I'm at Gamberbrook. <laughs> but that may be the person that I need because help is on the way, mm-hmm. right? And so somewhere in between them journeying together, Naomi's attitude changed. And as women, we need an attitude change every now and then. Because God wants you to hold fast in godly relationships. And sometimes it's hard, not because the person's difficult, but because you have a bad attitude. Anybody? We don't want to admit that. But many of us can confess that on Sunday and say, you know what? I just have a rude behavior. And God is trying to work on me through this person, and I don't want him to do it. But after a while, as time goes on, and God is still God, he, he's in heaven. He's just going to wait. Because he's like, I don't know how long it is for y'all to get to Bethlehem. And about two hours into this, that's going to be your daughter. You just don't know that yet. So her attitude changes a little bit. And Ruth comes up with this plan. And she's like, look, I'm going to go to work. And so I talked a little bit about older women. So here's my word to younger women. Get to work. And I don't mean your job. I mean get to work in the kingdom on the behalf of another person. Because a lot of times as young people, we're waiting for someone to acknowledge us when God is waiting for us to serve somebody. And we don't always want to do that. I'll be honest, we don't. Because sometimes we're just into ourselves. I think that's the essence of youthfulness, right? You're just into you. But sometimes in your church, there's an older woman who may need some help. Sometimes in your church, there's an older woman who is grieving. Sometimes in your church, there's an older woman who would love to watch your children. You just haven't spoken to her yet. 
Sometimes in your church, there's an older woman who's made a ton of mistakes, who's wanting to help someone, and you have yet to forge a relationship. I remember a couple years ago, I was, I had gotten, um, I was working like a job, and it was a contract job, and the contract had gone out, so I wasn't working at the time. And I said to myself, I'm either going to work full time or go to grad school. So I'm like, whatever happens first is what I'm going to do. My logic. And so as I'm applying to jobs and applying to schools, the church is transitioning into um, the plant work in Bridgeport. And so there was a woman in our congregation who would cook lunch for me. And I mean, in hindsight, I really did at the time, I didn't think it was a big deal. I'm just like, oh, she's making chicken. I'm hungry. I'm going to go. And this is a woman who now, in 2016, I am so thankful for. Because every time I went for food, I left with something. And it wasn't leftovers. She would give me a tidbit about how she regretted her parental mistakes. She'd give me a tidbit of how she would walk the Panama Canal and she like sold baskets for her husband and her daughter to have money. She told me essentially all the regrets that she ever had as a woman. And I remember sitting there one day, I'm thinking, why am I here? The food is good, yeah. I don't have a job, no. But like, what is the point of this? And the real point is, there was something that I needed, and there's something that she needed to get off her chest. And so God allowed me to lose a job just to get my attention enough to sit at the feet of someone who wanted to pray for me. And I know my parents were praying for me. Their parents, that's what they do. But this woman committed to praying for my dreams. And I'll never forget that she said to me, if you want to go to school, I'm going to pray about it as if I want to go to school. And in that moment, I can tell you, there's no person in my life whose last name is not Stanley that ever said that to me. And she said, I was a bad mom. I could have loved my daughter more, so I'm going to pray for you. And that changed my life for many reasons. One, because for the first time ever, I felt like someone saw me and not me, Ellis, Donna, and Ellis Jr. Anybody in here who like knows my family, when people see us, they, when you see one of us, they see all of us. And this lady was like, I don't want to talk about those people. What do you want to do with your life? And so every time I went there, I thought of Naomi and Ruth, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that I have someone who actually cares about the outcome of my life. And so she motivated me to get to work. I wrote cards for other people in church. We talked about going to the soup kitchen. And just watching her care about me, I decided, hey, you're young enough to do a lot more than you're doing. And so for young women, we need to be busy doing things. We need to be busy doing things for God on the behalf of other people because I'm confident that this woman would have easily fallen into the depths of sadness had it not been for the small moments we shared together. Because let's face it, when you're aging, you too feel like no one sees you. You feel like everyone is living at 80 miles an hour and you're trugging along at 25, right? And so sometimes God has to slow down the young person and speed up the older person just so they can sit in the same car. And that's what I love about Naomi and Ruth because Naomi decided, I have a daughter now. And yes, I was used to raising sons, but right now, this is who I have. And Ruth decided, if this is what I'm stuck with, I got to get to work. And so their sisterhood becomes one of great example to us because they have to learn how to work together. When we get to verse 10, just to speed this up a little bit. So there's a guy, his name is Boaz, and Boaz has a field. He ends up being a distant relative. And so unknowingly, that's the field that Ruth is gleaning. And so she falls on her, on her face in verse 10, bowed down to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? 
She doesn't understand why he's looking at her. She doesn't understand why he cares. And sometimes as young women and as young people, we feel unworthy. That's the other secret that young people won't tell you. A lot of times young people come to church and they feel really, really bad. It's not always because they're doing bad things, sometimes. But just sometimes you look at older women like, man, they're so put together and I'm so not put together. Right, like I could look at my dear sister here and I'm like, she has it going on. To some younger people, that's intimidating. For some of you who've been married for 30 something years, the newlywed is terrified to talk to you because she can't even cook food right and you've probably been doing it your whole life so she runs out of church because she feels inadequate. We don't always want to say that. And so here Ruth is, she knows she's a foreigner. And she recognizes that there's no reason for her to be there outside of this relationship that she used to have, but she no longer has because her husband is dead. And she realizes that, look, I'm just here to do the grunt work, no big deal. And she doesn't recognize that God is trying to redeem her whole life story. In verse 19, after Ruth goes back to tell Naomi her day experience, It says, and her mother-in-law said to her, where have you gleaned today? Where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked, and she said, the man's name with whom I worked is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relative of ours, one of close relative. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you should go out with this young man and and that people do not meet you in any other field. So she stayed close by the young woman of Boaz by the young woman of Boaz to glean until the end of the harvest and wheat harvest. And she dwelt with her mother-in-law there. I want to point out really quickly that Ruth is faithful. So not only is she working hard, she's a faithful woman because how long does she work? The Bible says until the end of the harvest. Sometimes we look for our seasons to change a little too quickly. There's something called a grief cycle, which I'm sure Sister Felicia could explain way better than me. But everything in life has a cycle. And yet we find Ruth and Naomi not only traveling, God knows how long it took them to get to Bethlehem. Then they have to find work, so she goes to the field. And it says she started at the beginning of the season, and she worked until the end of the harvest. How long is a season? Six months, four months, long time. Some of us don't want to work four days. Sometimes, like, somebody will put you in charge of a ministry and, like, you do it for a month and you're like, whoo, praise God. That was awesome. And you don't want to do it anymore. Right? Because we don't hold fast to work very well in church. Let's be honest. We don't. Sometimes you're a Bible school teacher for one month and you're like, these kids? Because they're not your kids, so they're not, you know, if they were your kids, you would treat them a little differently. But they're somebody else's kids. And sometimes it's the lady who comes late. So, because I've been a Bible school teacher, I can say this. And you're like, you can't just get them to church on time because you have worksheets that need to be colored in and it feels important. (laughs) It does. It feels like kingdom, kingdom business. You feel like you're like really being stewardess over something, but it's a piece of paper, right? But as women, we get upset. Because we're like, okay. And then when the one kid like breaks the crayon, if you're anything like me, you're like, oh my gosh. And then you're like, now I have anxiety. Because I... Feels like a big deal. So I don't want to hold fast now. Why don't I want to hold fast? Because like it's not working out. So then you go tell someone in the church, you're like, I'm not set up for this ministry. Maybe I'll do IT because there's no kids over here. <laughs> right? We do these things. We don't hold fast well. That's why I like Ruth because every time I read this story, I'm like, Erica, you can do it a little longer than you actually thought. 
Because the determination of Ruth and the encouragement of Naomi literally changes the course of history. It changes their lives because Boaz is not just any old guy. He's the guy. He's the guy that they need to do the thing. What's the thing? To marry Ruth so that she can have a child and so that that child can be written into the lineage of Jesus. Do we understand how important that is? So when you're holding fast, you're not just holding the bag just to hold the bag. Somebody in here should want to be in history. Somebody in here should say, I want to be a woman where if like there was volume two, like the new New Testament, I would be in it. But see, we live our lives as though nothing matters. We live our lives as though only heaven is at stake. But I'd like to believe that every decision you make has something to do with redeeming somebody else's story. We're not just here for no reason. There's a lesson that you can take back to another woman in your congregation to potentially change her life. Maybe there's somebody on the path of making bad decisions. And what you learned today could change everything for them. So what Naomi realized, she's like, look, I got a hardworking girl on my hands, and there's this guy who could potentially marry her. Now I have to get to work. And so the relationship here, seizing sisterhood, Naomi had a bad attitude in the beginning, but then something happened. And I think it's the diligence of Ruth, the perseverance of Ruth, that then ignites a fire inside of Naomi. And Naomi suddenly wants to write a little love story. Because now she's like, oh, hey, girl, I got some advice for you. And y'all ladies know how you get. You older ladies know how you get. When you see a young single lady in the church, you start thinking of things. <laughs> Praise God. And you start thinking these things. And you're like, well, you know, there's that one brother. And don't they go, Felicia? And they're like, and like, so just like go over there. But not today, next Sunday. And you get, you look nice and you smell nice. And like, as he walks through the line for potluck, you just like, y'all start thinking of things. Say amen, because you do. And then now the, the young lady is like, oh, what am I going to wear to church next Sunday? Because like, I have to smile when he passes the collection plate. And then it's going to be potluck, and I have to sit next to him. Because you know sister so-and-so has already told you what to do. Iron the clothes, yes. You, you notice I didn't need to be ironed today. I didn't. <laughs> so, so there's an idea that Naomi has in chapter 3. In verse 3, it says, Therefore, wash yourself. Right? Take a bath. So at least you can do. You've been working all day. Anoint yourself. Put some lotion on. Right? Pull it together. And put on your best garment. I don't know. Maybe heels for somebody. Maybe flats for somebody. It's heels for me, though, every time. And go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies, and you shall go in, uncover his feet, and lie down, and he will tell you what you should do. Verse 5, the clincher. And she said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. Now listen, I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't have did it. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't have a man. Listen, I wouldn't have did it, though. See, because there's too much suspense. And like, you know, what we were talking about with faith, like you need it lined up. That's me. I would have been like, okay. Hold on, so I have to get dressed, and then you want me to lie down? And like, uncover his feet? Like, what if his feet aren't nice? Real life over here, things I think about. Like, what if he didn't clip his toenails? Does he have socks on? Like, no, no, I'm not with that plan. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. And then, I don't, what if he kicks me in the head? 
Do you know, like, where exactly is he lying? On a threshing floor? Look, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. So I commend Ruth because she's a woman of hard work, determination, clear faith in the God who was not originally her God, her God, and she's obedient. She's a lot of things I'm not. She really is. And so for young women, you may get some advice that seems a little crazy. But older people have been places we have yet to be. And until we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and acknowledge the women that God puts in our life, we can't be blessed. Because Naomi had probably gone through her own trusting experience with another woman. And I don't know if it involved laying down, lifting the, the, the covers over the feet. I don't know. But a lot of times, most women get to where they are off of the love and the advice of another woman. Some of you are parenting your children right now based off of great advice you got from somebody. Some of you are married because someone linked you up with somebody. I pray that's working out for you. I'm just saying, because sometimes that kind of stuff doesn't work out well. And then people end up not friends or family, and you know you're laughing, so I'll probably get it. So your lives are connected to other people. But I commend Ruth for actually being obedient because what was asked of her was a little crazy. Because I'm the type of person that also would have been thinking, what if somebody sees me? See, because this wasn't like 2016 where you can just like go on a blind date at a bar and like no one, there's tons of people so it doesn't really matter. This is a society where, like, if someone caught you creeping on somebody else's threshing floor, I mean, it's like if y'all saw me, like, at the men's cabin or something, you'd probably be like, is that our speaker? Oh, no, she's not coming back next week. She needs some training. We, we don't do that. Right? So I'm sure Ruth had all of these fears because as women, that's what we do. We have tons of fears and tons of anxieties, and we don't know what to do with them. But the Bible says she did all that was asked of her. So when we talk about holding fast to sisterhood, I don't think you can hold fast to somebody you don't trust. I know that you can and so if you're thinking about a young woman or an older woman in your congregation that you want to link up with, First, be a woman of good character. So even though Naomi had a bad attitude, there was clear good about this woman because here Ruth is putting her life in this woman's hand, really for the second time. The first time was journeying back to Bethlehem. She didn't know what was on the other side of that, right? Faith is the substance of things. Hope for she hoped it was a good thing. Now she's like, okay, I'm gonna take your dating advice. I don't even know what Boaz looked like. That's the other thing. Like, what if she wasn't young people? Know what I'm talking about? What if you're not attracted to him? Felicia, you feel me? I don't know. I don't know. These are things she could have been thinking, but she did it, though. She did it because she trusted that someone else knew better. What was better is trusting somebody who knew things that Boaz knew. Boaz knew he was a man of God. Sometimes we get information from people our age and it's bad information. And I tell my mom this all the time, like some young girls are not your friend. I'm gonna say that one more time because somebody needs it. Some young people are not your friend. So some of those girls that you hang with, they may be steering you in a bad direction because they're in a bad direction and people like friends when they're going down the wrong path. But see, older women will tell you, Beauty fades a little bit, right? And that nice guy, the smooth-talking guy who looks real cute. There's so many out there. But they're not all good guys. And what older women see from a distance is maybe that guy won't treat you nice. Maybe in a couple years he won't be good to you. And they generally know that based on personal what? Experience. And that's the beauty about sisterhood is that God has taken us all to many different places. So there's things that I teach in the young woman's Bible class that's literally, it's from the word of God, and I build on that with personal experience. 
Because if I can tell a 21-year-old something that no one told me, I do it gladly. Because I look at it and I say, I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I made. I don't want you to feel lonely when you were meant to be blessed. I don't want you to feel sad when the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't want you to feel unworthy when God died for you to be a queen. I don't want you to go to college and feel like you have no friends because there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Right. Some people need to hear that. So you may have vital information that could truly help somebody else's life. But as young women, we have to be willing to take it. So the story progresses and Boaz is like, oh, hey, girl, at the threshing floor. And he's just like, all right, I'll redeem you. But let me just see how this whole thing will go. So they talk a little bit. And in verse 18, it says she then she said, There she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out. For the man will not rest until he has concluded this matter this day. So here's my other thing with Naomi. I feel like she's stringing Ruth along a little bit. And like the way my anxiety is set up, I would have been like, look, girl, I done did everything you told me to do. We're going to settle it tonight. I'm not going to bed. I am not, you're not going to bed, okay? <laughs> That's what I would have told her. You don't sleep and I don't sleep. What does Ruth say? Nothing. That's why I'm telling you, Ruth is a better woman than me because I would have said, we need to figure it out right now because Boaz has to go talk to someone to see if the whole plan can actually work. And here Naomi is telling her, oh, just sit still. And that's something that older women seem to say generation after generation. Oh, just wait a little while. And here you go as young people, and you're like, I don't have a while to wait. I need to know right now. Again, there's trust there. So Naomi is giving this advice to sit and wait. And what is Ruth doing? I don't know if she's biting her nails. I don't know if there was like another like girl that she went to talk to. But I'm pretty sure that night, she stayed up a little longer than usual. See, because when these matters of the heart happen to us, sometimes you can't get any sleep. And as young people, because we never really know things like this, you're like, did I say something to him? (laughs) Did I say something he didn't like? Is that why I have to wait? And then you kind of rabbit hole from there, if we want to be honest. Or maybe it's just me. And then you like go deeper and deeper in your deep. So he didn't like the best garment that Naomi told me to wear. So now I'm throwing the boots away. Cause you said, right? I'm sure she had all of these anxieties embedded in her, but beyond the anxiety, she still trusted Naomi, which is beautiful and amazing to me. So we know how the story ends, right? There's the whole sandal exchange with the two guys. Because that one guy is like, no, I don't want to redeem her. I don't want to take on the older lady. So Boaz is like, cool, I got it. Got the girl, got the land, got everything, right? So they get married. But what's amazing is something phenomenal happens. It's not just the marriage that's actually exciting to me. The real excitement comes in the child. See, because when you hold fast to God and you hold fast to godly people who give you good godly advice, not only are you blessed, but you're like blessed beyond measure. And so last night when we talked about being exceedingly abundantly abundantly above and beyond all that we ask type blessed, that's what God did here. So he's not like, oh, I'm going to give you a kid. He's like, I'm going to give you a good marriage a great relationship with your mother-in-law and a kid. And so some of you have submitted prayer requests that are valid. Some were for health issues, either for yourself or others. Some were about uh, career decisions. There's one that stuck out to me. Someone said something about being a writer. Who said that? Oh, we'll talk after. Yeah, look at that. See, seizing sisterhood right in action. So there's so many things that we've presented. But I don't want us to limit what God can do. 
See, because in this moment, right, our sister didn't really know that there would be someone at the podium who has a master's in writing and who knows other writers. And maybe there's something she's written that needs to get published. And I know editors. Look at God. She just thought, I'm coming to a ladies retreat. And so maybe in our conversations this week, we thought, "Mm, I'm just going to talk to such and such because I just feel so bad. But you don't know, maybe that person sitting next to you has the money, the resource, the advice to alleviate your circumstance. But what happens too many times in the fellowship with women, we don't want to talk to each other. Yeah, we talk around each other. Oh, I like your shirt. Oh, I like your hoodie. Oh, yeah, girl, my yep, work is good. Yeah, I'm so blessed. You know my husband. He's being so good lately. And then that's it. But we don't really talk to each other. And see, I think that somewhere between Moab and Bethlehem, Naomi and Ruth began to talk to each other. Somewhere between, do you have some water and my heel hurts? They developed a bond where clearly Naomi knew that marriage was something that Ruth also wanted. So when we think about being sisters, the only way for us to be a true sister to someone is to know what is on the hearts and minds of the women in your life. That takes time and it takes effort. And a lot of times we don't want to put the time into relationships. We have friends outside of the church. We have coworkers, we have family members. And a lot of times those relationships, myself included, consume us so much that we're not a real sister to our God-given sisters. And it's a tragedy because God is in heaven thinking, I put these two people in the same congregation so that they can bless each other and they're not even talking on Sunday. Do we think that that angers God? Do we think that that hurts God? Because remember, when we go all the way to Matthew chapter one, something that is generally not done happened. And what's amazing is in verse five, right? We're going through the lineage. Well, first of all, in verse one, it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Whose genealogy is this? Jesus. And all the way in verse 5, it says something important to us. That Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. And generally in Jewish culture, you would never name a woman in the lineage. And here we have two women. And what I love about it is they're two unlikely women. One was a prostitute and one is known for being a part of a people that are filled with idolatry. And I know sometimes on Sunday morning we get a little high and mighty because we've been saved for a long time and we can sing all the songs without the book and our husbands may be leading, our brothers may be leading, and we forget that there are newer people in the body that God is redeeming. And maybe that is the new Rahab. Maybe that's the new Ruth. The fact of the matter is God uses unlikely people If you're willing to hold fast, you're a woman after God's own heart. He's not looking for somebody super prestigious. He's not looking for, you know, somebody who's, I don't know, looking like Barack Obama running the whole country. He's looking for someone who's faithful and won't give up. And that's the essence of Ruth. But Ruth was only that type of young woman because there was an older woman who showed her the way. And so on my heart and mind, something I care very deeply about are these relationships between women. And I think it's because I don't have a sister that relationships with women have become something I'm mildly obsessed with. Because I watch the way women interact and sometimes I'm like, mom, do you feel like that lady's being mean to us? See, because I just don't understand it. I didn't grow up with like a girl that I had a secret vendetta against. I grew up with a mom who I loved. And so I'm learning now to be a sister. And it's amazing how many sisters don't want to be a sister. And I'm like, aren't you in the family, though? In the body of Christ, we have the ability to change the course of history. When I think of um, the, the class that I teach is for young girls ages 18 to 31, And the whole point of the class, a couple years ago, there were no young people in our church besides 
<laughs> so me being me, I'm like, this isn't going to work. Right? But I believe that prayer truly changes things. And so I prayed about it. I didn't talk about it. I prayed about it. And I'm like, God is going to send young people. So I started writing Bible lessons during my lunch break. And I'm like, if I teach a class, I'm going to say this. And I started doing And I felt a little crazy, right? Because you're talking to yourself in your car. And I'm sure other people were like, mm, she's going to get fired one day. Because like, she's a little off. But I did it in faith, and I think most times faith looks crazy. Think of Noah building the ark. That's how I felt. I was building the structure for something, and I had no idea that it would eventually exist. And week after week, I think of new ideas, and I'm like, wow, we can do this. And I can do uh, you know, a series, and, and it can be uh, like purifying this. And, and I had all these ideas in my mind. And slowly but surely, one girl would come to church. And then there's another girl just back from college, and I'm like, oh my gosh, the thing is happening. But like, how do you take the dream and make it a reality? And I prayed some more, and I prayed some more, and I said, you know what, I'm going to fast, because like, the Bible says these things only come out through praying and fasting. And I felt like there was a stronghold that needed to be broken, because I knew that young people wanted to be in church, but I also knew that a lot of times we are our own reason for not coming. And so now, four years later, we have a bona fide young woman's Bible class, hashtag us, YB, <laughs> YWBC. And the beginning of the class, some of the girls had fallen away from church. This is their first time back. Some of them have moved back to um, the area. And what's amazing to me is, I said this to my mom recently, we had a church picnic. And you know who brought most of the food? The girls from the young woman's Bible class. And the reason that that makes me so excited is because how many times do we hear excuses? How many times do people say, oh, I can't do that. I don't have this. Oh, I can't. They could have easily said, oh, I can't do it. I'm in law school. That's one of the students. But she didn't say that. She brought something. There was another girl who knew she'd be quitting her job this month, but she still made jerk chicken, which was awesome. And she doesn't cook. Right? There was a, t a girl who was transitioning from one job into a teaching job. She could have said she wasn't going to do something, but she still made food. And they served, and they cleaned up. And I look at that, and I say, that came from a prayer. So I am hoping to encourage you to recognize that somebody needs you to be a Naomi. And if you're Naomi, you need to be prayed up. You need to stay up. You may need to wake up, right? Get yourself prepared to be an example to someone else. But if you're Ruth, you need to be obedient to sound advice. And you may need to work hard in your youthfulness. And you may need to be mentored a little bit to change your own life and the lives of those around you. And so as this class continues to grow, I always think about ways to have larger impact, larger impact on more women. And some of you here, I've talked to you about your daughters, and some of us will connect with them via Facebook. And I'm always thinking that if God did this for Ruth, if he did this for me, aren't there more young women who need us? Your colleges, your community centers, it may be unpopular, because I don't always think we come to worship thinking about the people outside of worship, but they're there. And I'll tell you openly and honestly, there's some young girls that are doing crazy things simply because no one told them it was wrong. Believe it or not, we live in a world where morals have just gone out the window. So some young people just say, oh, I know my mom used to sleep around. I didn't know I'm not supposed to do that. How would you know? You only know what you're taught. And so I hope that we can be um, a really large encouragement to, to the young women around us. I will end with this and say um, two quick things. Okay, my mom's giving me a signal. That's what moms are for. So she has these cards in her hand. And my brother is a web developer. And I'm going to brag on him for a second. Can I say it? So I don't want to get in trouble at 31, right? Um, <laughs> you'd be surprised. So my brother works for NBC Sports, and he actually was like the lead developer for the Rio website. You guys know Rio the Olympics? Mm -hmm. 
Yes. And he also did the Sochi website and he won an Emmy. So like we're so obsessed and proud of everything he does. But the positive thing, what's even better than that is he built this website and it's called Church of Christ Global. And it is a website that has tons of YouTube videos. So instead of just riding the high of like life accolades, he designed a website where every Church of Christ in the world has its information on it. And it has taken years. And it came from a conversation because he said, how come when I go online, I can't find all church information? And I'll call this church and the number's wrong and the minister's name is wrong, or I go to this place and the building is not there. So God put it on his heart to make this website. And it's actually, I'm so excited about it. It's like Facebook for Christians in a way that you can't even think about. There's maps there. And like literally you can zoom in and find churches in Europe. You can zoom in and find churches in Asia. You can zoom in based on your location. So all of your churches are already on there, believe it or not. It's pretty cool. So if you want to see it afterwards, I have my laptop. I'll show it to you. Um, But we just want to get more people to make personal accounts so that we can begin to interact and interface. There's YouTube videos, why I'm a member of the Church of Christ videos, just tons of things on there. So she has, my mom has the cards. Mom, put your hand up. She's being like the dance mom, you know, when the lady's in charge. So she has that. And then the other thing is, so I have a website. It's called tobepraise.com. And it... Thank you. I didn't pay her to say that. Thank you. That really was. Thank you for saying that. Um, So I send out weekly devotionals. And yes, I took the summer off because I gave myself grace. But I send weekly devotionals out to all the women who have signed up. So there are currently 170 women. I want more. So I'm coming for all of you. So if you pass me, I need your email address, okay? So the whole point of this is seizing sisterhood. There's been, uh, we did a dinner party. I had a huge dinner party in my backyard, which was really, really nice. I also made a Bible study workbook, which I sent out via email. And the point is to use technology to connect to women. So there's some readers that I have in England, some in Trinidad and Tobago, some in Jamaica, um, everywhere in the United States. And I just want to grow the network so that women everywhere can have great material to read, truthful material. We know that there's a lot of stuff on the internet. It's not all from the word of God. And so my goal is to use the word of God to create a materials. And our writer friend, I need more writers, so please see me after. God bless you. See sisterhood. Thank you. Thank you.